everyone. I'm Addie Ewell. We're here at Front Porch right next to the Cal Poly campus, a local free coffee shop, and we are with their director, Joel Drankpool. Hello, Joel. Hello, Addie. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. Great. So I know that you started becoming the director in 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's been, what, 10, 10 almost 11 years? 11 years, yep. And when you first came, do you want to just explain to us a little bit about what Front Porch was when you got here and how you kind of took it over? So in 2013, when I started, I was hired as the director of Front Porch. And for those listening, Front Porch is a faith-based organization. So it is technically, a lot of people think of it as a Christian ministry uh, to college students. That's what I was hired into. I had just come out of seminary. Um, I went to a seminary down in Southern California. I had some problems with the church as a whole and didn't really want to be a part of the traditional model of church, so I was looking for something a little different. And a friend of mine who lived in San Luis Obispo told me about this thing called Front Porch, said, I think you might like it. I don't think you'll like certain parts of it, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for you to be a part of this thing. So I was hired in 2013. In my interview process with the board of directors who hired me, I presented them with a little bit different model of what Front Porch could be. Mm-hmm. At the time, Front Porch was very much what I would say was a traditional style Christian ministry. Very, If people are familiar with the Christian church, very much like a church youth group for college students. Yeah. Could so, you elaborate a little bit on that, what you mean? Yeah, so very much like a, a small group of people and a safe space for people Mm -hmm. who identified as Christians. Um, And that really didn't interest me. Um, When I saw this space and when I saw the thousands of students who walked by here every single day, I was fascinated and had all of these ideas and my imagination started going crazy of we could do something really cool here and really special and unique and create a space. This is kind of where I first had this idea back in 2013, where we could create a space that every single student who walked by this building would know that they were loved, that they were Mm -hmm. welcome, that they could come in, that they could be a part of this thing, and you didn't have to have a particular set of beliefs, or you didn't have to eventually have a certain set of beliefs to belong. You belonged immediately because you were a human being. That's kind of what I presented the board back in 2013, and they they took a chance on me. They still like to remind me that they took a big chance on me, (laughs) Um, and they hired me and ended up over the course of the next few years slowly implementing change to this thing that had been a certain way to kind of get it to what it is today, which is vastly different from from what it was in 2013. Yeah, totally. Would you mind saying a little bit about what it is today? Yeah. So today you walk in, and I think that there's definitely Cal Poly students who know that there's a faith-based component to it, but I think Mm -hmm. there's also a lot that have no clue because we're simply, we give away free coffee. It's a space that you walk in and there's no religious paraphernalia or anything anywhere that would signify, and we're not trying to trick anyone because again, our goal is not to convert people Mm -hmm. to the Christian faith tradition. Our goal is to love people and love them really well, regardless of who they are, with no intent of of conversion. And so today you come in, it's a coffee shop. We have about four to 500 students who come through our space every single day. We serve them free coffee. We serve drip coffee. We have a really nice espresso machine that students can also get, you know, their their lattes, their cappuccinos, their Americanos. We have about 200 current volunteers. We try to have three on each hour of the day Mm -hmm. that will be serving students as they come in, welcoming them, making them feel known and welcome. We have a staff of five, a pretty small staff. So there's myself and then an associate director and then three interns who are Mm -hmm. here just during the school year. 
So we do the free coffee. We do a free meal. We'll be doing that tonight, actually. Uh, we do a free meal every Wednesday right. where um, during the winter, the meals get a little small because it's a little darker and colder. Um, but during the, the fall and the spring, those meals are upwards of 300, 350 people that we serve a home-cooked meal to. Again, mm-hmm. just with the idea of let's give these students a free meal yeah. and let's come together around a meal and believe that, that is, there's something special and unique about that, that when you come together around a meal, we're all doing something that we as human beings all need to do. Mm-hmm. And so that when you do that with people and you sit down with people who are either your friends or complete strangers, there's some unique connection that happens. And I would say that's what Front Porch has really become today is all about connection. We want to create a space in which people can connect with other people, like-minded people, but also people who think about the world and religion and and politics and all these things vastly different and that we can respect one another and learn from one another and really hopefully create a better community um, because that's uh, something I say every Wednesday night to the students. I, I truly believe that our world needs more connection and so that's what we're trying to do in this little pocket that we can with Cal Poly mm-hmm. students in SLOW is, is create a place that's creating more connection. Yeah, totally. As a Cal Poly student myself, I actually had no idea there was religious affiliation. Mm. So I really appreciate the fact you're more focusing on connection and just going off of that it is open to anyone, right? Yeah, so we have, even in those 200 volunteers that I mentioned earlier, we have volunteers of, I would say, every faith tradition. We also, whether it's Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, um, people of no faith tradition at all that... Um, don't really care about spirituality or religion. And yeah, everyone is welcome. Everyone has this, like I like to say, everyone has a seat at the table. We believe our vision statement is every person and every moment matter. And we truly believe that. We believe that every single person who's walking by this space, these people that are walking by as I'm talking, that that they have a unique story, that they they have something profound to offer us. And by them becoming a part of our community, our, our community becomes a better place. Mm-hmm. How is it that you make sure Cal Poly students and Cuesta students know about Front Porch? So we we definitely say that we're for Cal Poly and Cuesta students. It's really difficult with the Cuesta students because Mm -hmm. Front Porch is located immediately adjacent to Cal Poly's campus. And so it's just easy because we literally have thousands. We sit at this, this intersection of roads or paths that thousands of students literally take every single day to get on or off campus. So the Cuesta students is difficult. We do have a few Cuesta students who find us. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say we're actively out seeking Cuesta students, but we want them, like we have we have two banners up in our main room, a Cuesta one and a Cal Poly. So we definitely want them to feel welcome and this is for them. But with Cal Poly students, I think it's really word of mouth. So we're really big on our language. We like to say every every person and every moment matter. And so we repeat that regularly. Every time I talk before every meal on Wednesday night, I repeat that message. And just over the years, the more that we have repeated that message over and over and over again of the type of community we are it's really become ingrained in their way of thinking about this space in this community and then they invite people and so really it's become this thing where we I'd say 11 years ago when I first got here we were on campus regularly telling people about Front Porch and that it existed and hey come check out our place and now we have the opposite problem we you come in here on any given day and it's really hard to find a place to sit and so it's not like we're trying to detract people (laughs) from coming here it's just we don't really feel like we need to be out there telling everyone we have a great relationship with the university as well they love what we do and they 
promote us a great deal with certain groups of students, especially when they have students who are struggling to find a place to connect. They will oftentimes point students towards Frontport. I feel really privileged to be in a relationship like that with the university, especially being a faith-based organization. I know that a faith-based organization, having some sort of relationship like that with the university can be tricky, but they really respect us and do a lot to promote what we do within the uh, within the student population. Just building on that idea of students finding connection, I know you guys do a few different events. So tonight is the Wednesday night dinner. Would you walk us through kind of what the Wednesday looks like in preparation for that and then what a student could expect if they're going to come try and get dinner on Wednesday? Yeah, so Wednesday meals, again, 11 years ago, we had a group of about 30 students and we'd do pizza or something uh-huh. like that. And then the meals quickly as our as our organization began to change and, and take its shape, the meals began to grow really quickly. On average throughout the year, it's around 300. I'd say tonight will probably be closer to 200 just because, again, during the winter months, it's a little trickier. But we find people in the community to provide that meal. So tonight, actually, a club on campus, Real Food Collab, they're the ones making the meal tonight, which is really cool that a club on campus and who is really involved in like, you know, sustainable food practices. They're the ones that are going to prepare the meal for their peers tonight, which is really cool. Most of our meals are done by, I'd say, older members of the community who are a part. A lot of them are a part of local faith organizations, churches throughout the area, up and down the Central Coast, who say, yeah, we would love to do a meal once a quarter. And so we'll come do the meal. And they we have a great kitchen where they can come prepare the meal here, which we've outfitted that kitchen over the years to be Mm -hmm. pretty close to a as much as you can be a, a commercial-grade kitchen. It's really not a commercial-grade kitchen, but as close as it can be. And that's all a volunteer basis, right? All People. volunteer, yeah. They volunteer the, the cost of the meal as well as the preparation of the meal. So they'll come prepare the meal. They'll do that here. Then they'll serve it. And we oftentimes get a different group to serve it. So we have every all these different clubs on campus will oftentimes come serve the meal. It could be a fraternity, a sorority who are looking for hours or service. Mm-hmm. It could be the swim club, the distance club, all these different groups of people. People that again just want to be a part of it and so we give them the opportunity to serve the food and then we serve the meal the students line up we do trivia over the course of the the night and again it's just a creating a space for students to come sit down have a meal this year we've also been doing live music each Wednesday I night saw that. Uh, I don't know if we're doing it tonight but most Wednesday nights this year we've done live music again it's just creating a fun environment that w- provides the opportunity for connection to happen. Yeah. How many people on average do you guys usually get in on Wednesday nights? So on average, I'd say around 300, roughly. And so that's one of the events we do. We do the meals. We also do open mic nights once a quarter, again, providing a space for students who have these different abilities, whether it's singing or spoken word or things like yes. that, to come share those with the Is community. Is there a versatility with that, like slam poetry, yeah, all, comedy? Yep. We're always so surprised about the level of talent and like sure. that people have, it's, again, just and people wanting to share that with the community. And a lot of times people discovering and, utilizing these gifts that they have for the first time here at a front porch open mic night and then they you know before you know it they're they're in a band and they're off doing really cool things so we do that we do camping trips all over california once a quarter we pick a spot and take a group of students there we did a big trip up at lake nasiameno in the fall with a bunch of students with our volunteer community like we had a volunteer breakfast this past saturday which was specifically for our, that that group of 200 students that are volunteers and we really like to take care of them and just let them know how much we appreciate them. And then also kind of not training, but really instilling a lot of the values and and principles that 
we as an organization hold up and letting them know that, that those are things that we, we hope they would gravitate towards mm-hmm. uh, to as well. Because those volunteers are really an extension of our staff. Because again, like I said, there's 500 students who come through here every day. We as a staff of five can't reach them yeah. all in terms of letting them know how much they're valued, um, which is a lot of times just through connection, just saying hi to someone, checking in, hey, how's it going? My name's Joel, like, uh, and introducing yourself. So we really like our volunteers to kind of emulate that as well, and they do a phenomenal job. In the volunteers, is that mostly Cal Poly students as well, or is that, it a variety of age uh, groups? Cal Poly students with a few Cuesta students, and then every now and then there's a couple that have graduated and mm-hmm. still stick in the area, and they like to come back and do like an hour of volunteering. But it all is pretty much Cal Poly students. So if a listener was interested in volunteering, how would they go about that process? Yeah, the best way is to uh, get on our website, which is frontportslow.org, and on there there's a volunteer tab, and you just click that, and there's takes you to a place where you can email our staff and we'll get people set up to volunteer. Very cool. Yeah. Our staff trains them in terms of what that looks like to volunteer. We have three different types of volunteers. We have just the kind of the normal volunteer during the day and then we have openers because we we open before our staff gets here and then we have closers who close the facility because they close the facility after our staff leaves. Going back a little bit to kind of the question I asked you at the beginning, do you know who the original founder was of Front Porch? So the person who founded Front Porch was a professor at Westmont College by the name of Lyle Hillegas. And he was in the, the Presbyterian denomination, and he kind of came up with this idea to create a building like that exists currently, this, this two-story facility with a space next door for the director to live at, which right next door there's a townhome, and then the townhomes that are also connected behind Front Porch. That was the original plan. It's not exactly how it works out today, but that was the original plan that he came up with years ago. And we say that Front Porch started in 2004. There used to be a home here, a home built in the 70s, I think, that was here and had existed for years. And that's kind of where Front Porch started out of, was that home. And then it's continued to grow and take different forms as the years have gone on with different directors. I'd say the biggest major change was in 2013, again, 11 years ago, when we kind of shifted the focus of what we were trying to do. Totally, more to the connection aspect Mm -hmm. rather than the religious aspect. Yes. Very cool. And I'd say the religious aspect is still the grounding. It's it's the Mm -hmm. why behind what we do. Um, Like for me personally, I still identify as a Christian. I'm from the Christian faith tradition. And I would say it's the why behind how we run the organization, but that, but it's not going to play out in terms of, again, we're not trying to convert people to the Christian faith tradition, more of just loving them. Yeah. And this is the why we love them. And how has having that kind of perspective and just welcoming anyone working here impacted you? Um, That's a great question. My perspective has changed a lot over the years. I think the church as a whole has done some really good things, but they've also done some really hurtful things to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I've found that this current younger generation has had a lot of trouble with the church as a whole um, because of the view and the stance that a lot of people take on things. And I think that what they've done is they've missed out on what I would argue this person that they claim to follow, Jesus, this this figure, they missed out on what Jesus was really about, which was about love and loving people really well, loving people in a in a way that that changes people's lives because of how they're loved. And for me, that's what it's all about. It's about loving people so well that somehow their life has changed, that they become a better person, that they that they're getting more out of this this human experience. 
So my views have changed a lot over the years. Some things that I might have thought were really important when I was younger and the, the, the things that I was raised with, um, I just don't find as important anymore. As an, an example, like what Front Porch used to be about, converting people. I don't find that important anymore. I don't want everyone to think the exact same thing. To me, that'd be a really boring society. Totally. If everyone walked around and we all looked the exact same way and talked the exact same way and believed the exact same thing, that's just boring. Like, what would you talk about? And how do you learn in that setting? So for me, I believe my experience as a human being becomes much richer and more fuller, and I become a better human being when I'm exposed to people who think all sorts of different things, and I can become friends with them and and we can exchange ideas and we're both not coming at it from a, a standpoint of we need to change this person's beliefs. Yeah. They need to think like us. But no, here's my beliefs. Here's your beliefs. Maybe my beliefs can change. Coming at it from more, I would say, out of a experience of or a posture of humility, I think, is how Front Porch has maybe changed yeah. me, is that I'm going to approach other human beings with with more of a posture of humility um, and listening mm -hmm. versus arrogance and I need to get this person to believe what I believe. Yeah, yeah I think that's super important especially because from college a lot of students coming from all different places I'm sure you get a very diverse crowd coming in here just in terms of, like what people believe and what people have like experienced in their life so that idea of community is really cool especially mm -hmm. given it's literally right on campus like it's not on campus but right. It is so close. It was like a, what, six-minute walk from my dorm. It's funny because most students don't understand that it's not on campus. Yeah. And I found that even some professors, because pro sometimes professors will come and do office hours here and things like that, and I found that even some professors don't even understand that it's not technically on Cal Poly's campus. I think the administration all understand it, but it's a blurry line between Front Porch mm -hmm. and Cal Poly. Yeah, it was one of the first things I think I learned just to about and well just in slow I remember my wow leaders like the person who welcomed me freshman year was like oh there's this really cool coffee shop front porch it's super close to campus so it's definitely very big around Cal Poly everyone knows about it which is really cool mm -hmm. are there any current goals you have or aspirations just for front porch as a company and just as a community moving forward yeah that's another great question um, I think that's something where being here for 11 years First of all, I didn't think I'd be here for 11 years. Mm -hmm. When I hired, was hired here in 2011, when Christy, my partner, and I and our, our three kids moved to Slow, I thought I'd be here for three years, and I thought that it'd just kind of be a, a step along the way, and then this community changed me immensely. And so being here for 11 years, I've grown into this and professionally been able to grow into the position and expand and become um, something different and bigger. So as before, when I started, I was very much working daily with interactions with students a lot. My job has become more overseeing the staff and vision for how can Front Porch move beyond this. And so for goals and, and looking outward, I would love for Front Porch as a community to be something that influences the city of Slow more than it currently does. It impacts Cal Poly a great deal, which maybe that's enough, but in I'm always wanting more. And mm -hmm. so I, I would love it if Front Porch and what we do here could somehow be implemented within the city, which would be great. And so there's conversations like that uh, and things that are happening. The other thing is wanting to see Front Porch exist on some other campuses. One of the number one things we hear from, from parents who come here or from friends of students is I wish that either existed when I was a student or I wish that existed where I currently go to college. So that's a hope of ours. We don't want this thing to be at 
we don't have a goal of this being at every college campus, but like maybe one or two more. Um, so we're currently looking at possibly starting one at UCSB, uh, which is where I've kind of been directing a lot of my time and energy more recently, and then possibly one down in San Diego at one of the schools down there. So that's exciting to me that we could possibly do something like this. It wouldn't look identical to this. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that we'd have to find a building like this and do a coffee shop and have to be exactly like that, but taking a lot of the principles behind what we do, a space, for us, space is really important. We believe that, that if you're going to do something like this, you've got to have a space because people identify with a space and then you can cultivate something really unique inside of a space so that's kind of my goals in the next five years or so is to maybe this have a little bit more influence in the city of slow and see how we can connect more with them and then also to expand to the degree of having one possibly one or two more locations in california yeah that would be definitely really amazing to do something in slow i don't know exactly what that would look like in my mind it'd be great to have something kind of similar to this for just the general population of slow all ages yeah i don't even know if that's possible (laughs) but i would love to try something like that because essentially what we are is we're a a community hub so things like that kind of do exist i would just want to be a little bit more intentional with it and a little bit more creative like one of the things students say when they come in this space is not all students but some it like it feels like home or it, it feels very comfy and cozy and so creating a space that people walked into they just felt at home the second they walked in and that again there wasn't something that was being expected of them so a lot of places i go in into slow that i love like there's coffee shops that i love in slow but something is expected of me i'm expected to to purchase something and i still love the places i love the people who work there i love to go there i still go there every single day but there's something expected of you and there's something incredibly unique about having a space in which you walk into and there's literally nothing expected of you and yet you're welcomed and there's a space for you to sit down and be and so again i don't know what exactly what it would look like but i want to begin to imagine and imagine with other people what could a space look like in the city of slow that would do something like that for the general population not just the the college population of slow yeah, that's but I love the college population <laughs> slow, and so we're going to keep doing this and want this to continue. But yeah, I, again, I'm always wanting more and wanting more people to benefit from kind of what we do here. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, again, I'm Addie Ewell reporting from Front Porch Coffee Shop just right next to Cal Poly campus. We've been here with Joel, the director of Front Porch. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Addie. This is great. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, iTunes, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to thomaswilmer.com. This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer. Please support your local NPR station. I listen to WNYC in New York. In fact, NPR is all I listen to. If I didn't have NPR, I would feel like my lifeline to the world has been cut. So yes, please support your local NPR station. World Bicycle Relief partners with communities to deliver specially designed, locally assembled, rugged bicycles for people in need. Nearly one billion people in rural regions of the world live in communities far from the nearest paved road, walking miles every day just to survive. 
distance is a barrier to attending school, receiving health care, delivering goods to market, and other critical services needed to thrive. Find out how you can help deliver rugged, dependable, life-changing bicycles to deserving communities. Log on to worldbicyclerelief.org to learn more.